that I've made as a pastor when it comes time to cancel church, and uh, thankfully our church board has taken that weight off of me, uh, and our trustees help us make that decision. So I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know there are many of you like me that have missed being in church this past week, and so I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here myself, and I hope today has been a, a chance for you to have the Lord restore your joy as you worshiped Him this morning. Uh, what an incredible time it's been. We started a new series a couple weeks ago called New Year. And a new year, we talked about new things. And that first week, just to kind of give you a quick recap, uh, we talked about from the prophet Isaiah, his job was to, to talk about the things of the past and to remind the people about what they had done, but then also to help warn them about if they didn't change or they didn't do something new, that, that God would have consequences for them. But yet, more importantly than that, not just the consequences, God said to Isaiah, Behold, I am doing a new thing, and in fact, it's already done, and it's going to be better than the old thing was even there. So we learned last, the last time we met together that the, the past, the old thing, is not something we want to hitch our life to. The past is not a hitching post. The past is meant to be a guidepost as we look forward to the new things that God is going to do in our life. So I'm excited for the new things that God is already doing. We talked about some of the good things that our church is experiencing, and we reviewed a little bit about the past year and how God has blessed us, and He's doing a new thing. But, but God has already begun to do something uh, great in our midst, and I'm excited for that. So today I want to continue on that theme, and it's a new year, and I want us to look at things from a new perspective today. So I'm going to ask you, before we even get started into, into the text and into the message today, I'm going to ask you right now just to say a quick prayer right in your head that you can give grace to your pastor today. Amen? As much grace has been given to you, you must give to others. That's biblical. That's not me. That's biblical. So please extend that grace to me today as we talk about this new perspective. But I want you to think about something with me real quick, and I need your help. So just, just shout it out to me when you think of something. I want you to think about something that is good. Something that is good. Just tell me something that is good. Coming to church. What? No. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> good things, guys. Come on. Good things. Salvation, okay? Salvation is good. Yes. Community, life, children, church, friends, yes. All of these things are good, aren't they? They are, they are very good, uh, and we enjoy them. They make, up, they make up life for us, and it makes life more enjoyable when we have good things. Amen? So I want you to think about something else now. Let's take it a step further. I want you to think about something that is great. Great. What? Being saved, okay? The resurrection. The resurrection, yes. Filling love. Filling love, amen. Peace, yes. What? Christmas, yes. Great, great. Anything else? Family, the love of God, yes, yes. So you, would you agree with me today that if something is good, that it's quite possible that something great is even better? Let me illustrate this in a silly way this morning. We're in the middle of potty training. How many of you have done that recently? Anybody? These are motivation. If you can see what these are. These are miniature M&Ms. These are motivation when it comes to potty training in our house. But these for adults are just a tease. 
These are not good. These are not great. These are a tease. Why? Because they're miniature. You got to eat the whole thing to just equate to one, you know. So these are a tease, and I'm going to hang on to these. I don't want to give these to anybody because, one, they're currency in our house right now. <laughs> but but uh, you don't need them anyway. They're not even good. So how many of you like peanut M&Ms? Yeah, some of you. Anybody allergic to peanuts? Okay, then I, don't, I want to leave them away from, from Bruce here for a minute. So some of you like peanut M&Ms. This is, I just went to the store this morning because I forgot about it, so I went to the store this morning. These are good. Peanut M&Ms are good. But I would, I would venture to say, and this is just my opinion, it's just my opinion, a peanut is great and you put it with chocolate and it's really good. But if this is good, then peanut butter M&Ms are even better. Amen? Amen? Who likes peanut M&Ms? Who likes peanut butter M&Ms? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So I want to I venture to say this morning that if something is good, that's good, but I believe that God wants us to see that great is even better. That Exactly. It's, it's great. Good is, is good, but great is better. Amen? Amen? I want us to look today to the truth of God's Word as we see some things this morning, as we change our perspective from, from good to great. From good to great. Jesus talks about some of these things that are good, and then some of the things that are great. Jesus Believe it or not, he was at creation when God was creating the world. And if you read in Scripture, it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved in the creation account. And every day, and I know some of this is translational, so just bear with me. This is some of that grace you need to extend to your pastor, okay? Every day, he got done with that day, and, and the Bible says, does anybody know what the Bible says? He saw what he did, and it was good, good. Now, I've made this argument as a, as a pastor. I made this argument as, as your youth pastor to our teens, and I don't know how many of them are still here that would remember this, but we were doing a study of Genesis, and I talked about on the last day when God created, when he created, not on the last day, but when he created humans and he created Adam and Eve, and he got to the end of creation, he stopped and he didn't just say it's good. One translation says it was great. It was great. It was very good. He, he extended that, that extension, and he looked at one day was good, seven days was great. It was very good. And I can't help but agree with him on that, amen? We can have one thing, and in context, that's really good, and we can focus there, but if we look at the whole picture, it's great. It's great. John the Baptist was even involved in this method. John the Baptist was, was a very good uh, man of God. He was a prophet. He was, he was created to pave the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist had this following that was huge. He was baptizing people left and right. People were coming to know the Lord and they were, they were anticipating what was coming. And John the Baptist said this, you guys think I'm good, but there is one that is coming that is greater than me. He is greater than me. John the Baptist even knew that there was something to be said about good to great. Then Jesus gave some instructions to his disciples and to us, and he said that this is the greatest commandment. This is the great 
Commission. These are the two things I want us to, to see from the Lord's, from God's Word this morning. And we saw that just, just one bag of M&Ms is good, but a bigger bag is great. Amen? So let's look at God's Word and see how God's Word can point to us from a couple different points. Would you pray with me first real quick? God, we thank You for Your love for us, and we thank You for Your Word. Your Word that points us directly to You. And it gives us insight. It gives us wisdom and discernment. It gives us grace, forgiveness, salvation. We thank You for that. Today, God, I pray that You would open our eyes to maybe see something that, that may be common for us that we've heard for many different times and through many different sermons and, and preachers even. But God, may Your Word come alive today in a new way. May it show us a new perspective today. And I pray, Lord, that the miracle of preaching would take place, that You would hide me, Your servant, behind Your cross, and You would speak Your Word to us, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what You have to say to us today. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew 22. And I want you to put your finger there, and then I want you to jump over to Matthew 28. We're going to read these two passages together this morning. And I believe that God's Word can give us a new perspective for this new year. Matthew 22. Begin reading with verse number 34. You'll see it on the screen as well if you... Don't have your Bibles with you. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them was an expert in the law, and he tested Jesus, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Flip over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Begin reading with verse number 16. Jesus has, has been to the cross. He's been now raised to new life. And He's come back to talk to His disciples. And here's what He says, Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, catch this, I want you to catch this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Two very famous passages of Scripture. Two very commonly understood passages of Scripture for the most part. And I want to, I want to ask you a question. These two Places in Scripture have two very common titles. Does anybody know what that first passage of Scripture is commonly referred to? The greatest commandment. Yes, the greatest commandment. Jesus is put to the test, and He says, here's what He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the first and greatest commandment. The greatest commandment. 
Some of you have Bibles with a subtext, subheading there that says the greatest commandment. The second one is what? Does anybody know? The Great Commission. The Great Commission. That's right. Here in God's Word, we see a transition from just being good enough to something great. A new perspective from, from being good to now, God says through Jesus, I have something great for you. I have something great for you to live out. I have something great for you to, to capture. I have something great for you to have a new perspective on this year. And we started this new year and we talked about the new thing that's already begun. And I believe that today God wants to show us a new perspective as we look to this new year. God wants us to stop looking for the good, but rather trust Him for the great. God wants us to stop looking for the good, but rather trust Him for the great. You've heard me say a couple times, as long as I'm your pastor, I believe I'm going to trust God for the great. I'm going to dream big. I'm going to trust God big. And I want to change that today to say, I want to trust God for greatness. I want to trust and dream God for something great. Because I'm tired of being hitched to the past. I want to look forward to the great thing that God has for us. Amen? God, I want to trust you. I want to look to you for the great. How can God change our perspective on something we already know and realize is great? I believe it's by opening our eyes to the reality of some things that maybe we've taken for granted. Maybe we've become callous to it. Maybe we need a faith lift, if you will. We've, we've just read two very familiar passages, but I believe that God wants us to look at these in a deeper way to say, you know what, you've heard this before. You've heard many preachers preach on this before. You've probably heard a similar sermon to this exact one. But guess what? I want to give you a new perspective on it. I want you to see it a little bit different. So there's two things I want us to see this morning. If you're taking notes, here they are in your notes. Number one, Jesus preached the great commandment, not the good commandment. Jesus preached the great commandment, not the good commandment. Matthew 22, in our text, says, Teacher, which is the most important? In other words, what is the greatest commandment in the law of Moses? And he tells them, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, in the Old Testament, Moses was used to help deliver the Israelites from slavery that they were experiencing in Egypt. Moses came back to Egypt. You see, Moses, if you remember the story, and if you don't, you can go back to Exodus and read it. And, and Moses is born, and at the time, the, the law, the Pharaoh had said, all of the, all of the Hebrew children must be, all the boys must be killed. Well, Moses' mom didn't want to kill him, so she hit him, she, she, she winged him, and then she, she hid him in a basket and floated him down the river. And you know the story. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and advancing it a little bit. Moses was, was found by Pharaoh's, daughter in the palace okay and she finds him and one of her servant girls says should i go find his mother to to nurse him and to feed him and she says yes do it and then as soon as that happens moses grows up and then the 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 palace becomes moses's home and moses is is raised in the palace as a prince the prince of egypt and moses is out there and he starts to realize that he's not a natural egyptian <laughs> And he starts to realize and he starts to see his people in slavery and bondage. And even it says that Moses went out one day and he saw the, the torture and, the, and the, 
the bondage that they were going through, the persecution, and he ended up killing a man. Moses, Moses, this great man of God was a murderer. And Moses flees the country and he goes back to his people. And God calls to Moses and he says to Moses, Moses, guess what? I want you to go back (laughs) to Egypt. I want you to go back there. And I want you to do something for me. I want you to not just go back there and live amongst them and to, to just deal with the this, this slavery and just join them. I don't want you to do that. That would, be, that would be a good thing to do, to go join your fellow family in it. I want you to do something great. And I want to use you to take your people out of bondage and slavery. Moses had excuse after excuse after excuse. I can relate to Moses. I'm not a murderer, but when God tells me to do something, usually my first response is, isn't there somebody else? I'm not a very good talker. Can somebody speech for me? You know, I can't do it. That's what Moses said. And God said, you know what? I want you to do something great, Moses. And Moses knew that he could trust God. And as we fast forward into, through their exodus and they're, they're out on the other side of it and there's a lot that goes in there. You need to read the book of Exodus. It's great. Just go and read it for yourself. But we fast forward through that. They're out of bondage. Moses is leading the, the nation of Israel and, and God calls Moses up onto the mountain. And Moses is up on the mountain and God says, here's something I need to give you, Moses. You're, you're now in a new country. You're in a new place. You have new surroundings. The people don't know what to do. They don't have to make bricks anymore. So there's a a new culture that's being introduced. And I need you to bring some order to it. And he takes them up on the mountain and he gives them these good rules. And he writes them on stone tablets. They were so good. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do something even even really good and I'm going to make it a nice round number for you. And he gives them 10 commandments. The law was introduced. The law was introduced through Moses. God knew what they were going to need to give Moses the first part of the plan, the law. Here's some commands, some rules to go by. These are good rules. They'll keep the peace. They'll help you determine right from wrong. These are good rules. And in fact, let me give you those perfect ten to round it out. You see, these are good rules and rules that were from God, but they were not the greatest commandment. I want us to skip ahead to the New Testament. Jesus is now teaching and preaching. People are following. People are interested. People are concerned. And they've been trying to live by the Ten Commandments so much so that they said, you know what, ten's good, but we could probably come up with 360 of them so that we have so many that we can't even keep track of. That would be really good. That was their idea of good. I don't like that. Yeah. So they they make up all these rules, and it gets so cumbersome for them that they can't even remember their own commands and their own laws that they're trying to keep. And Jesus is saying, he's being being tested by the the religious leaders of the time, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees have already failed to to get to him. So the Pharisees come to him and they said, you know what, we're going to put our best lawyer on this and we're going to really get you, Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest law in the law of Moses? And Jesus flips it on its head, doesn't he? And he gives us the greatest commandment. Ten is good, but one and two is great. Amen? Jesus is teaching about greatness. Greatness. Love the Lord your God with all you have. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And everything you do in life hinges on those two things. Let me stop right there for a minute, okay? This one's free. It's not in your notes. But if we could get this, 
in 2019, if we could get this as, as Christians, not even as a church, but just as individual Christians, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to imagine that you are in this room by yourself. There is nobody else here. And you are a Christian. You claim Christ. You know He's forgiven you of your sins. And I want you to think about this just for a minute. The rest of your life, all the details of your life, they don't matter as long as you love the Lord your God with everything that you have. If you walk out of these doors today and you change your life so drastically to say, you know what, God, whatever you say, whatever you want, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it, no questions asked. I'm going to love you and I'm going to worship you with everything that I have. Do you realize how much that would change your life? You do that one thing, guess what's going to happen? You can open your eyes now. See all these other people around you? You're going to start loving them as you love yourself. You're going to start thinking about them the way you think about yourself. If we could just get that as Christians, our world would be a different place. Good is good, but great is better. Jesus said, that's good that you made up all these rules that help you keep the peace. That Those are good commands. Those are good. Even ten of them, are I know them real well. But this is the greatest. This is the greatest. You see, Jesus didn't label this the goodest commandment. Goodest isn't even a word. The greatest commandment. The greatest commandment. <laughs> In your notes here, this is where our perspective needs to change. Our perspective needs to change from just living a good life and be transformed to a perspective that is about excellence for God. Excellence for God. Jesus came so that we could commit this year to have a new perspective. That good is good, but great is better. Amen? Good rules still happen today. We still live by some very good rules today. Don't interrupt people when they're talking. That's a good rule. I like that rule. I don't always follow it, but it's a good rule. Don't chew with your mouth open. I really like this rule. Yeah. You can ask my kids about that one. Speed limits, yeah. <laughs> Those are good rules to keep for some. Yeah, we won't. Let's move on. How about, how about this one? Be respectful of people, places, and things that are reverent. Some of you, whew. Some of you walked in here today and you thought we were being disrespectful to a place that's reverent. You see construction signs and do not disturb and caution tape. How can you change the sanctuary? This is a sacred place. And we get our preference above what really matters. God help us. We want to be respectful of people, places, and things that are reverent. But we want to remember who we really are worshiping. Jesus Christ. Ten commandments were very good. And they still are. But the Jewish people thought more would be better. Guess what? Here's a harsh reality. And it, it hits me. I'm a born and raised Nazarene. Anybody else born and raised Nazarene? Been in the church a long time. Amen? Yeah. Nazarenes have a reputation for being like the Jews when it comes to their commandments. It's true. Nazarenes thought, you know what? Those are good rules, but we're going to come up with our own. Yeah, you've heard them. I know you have. I don't drink, I don't smoke and chew, and I don't grow with girls that do. 
How many of you have ever heard that one? Yeah? I was raised in the church. I was a pastor's kid. I remember this as a little four or five-year-old. I still tell my kids this today. It's, it's, I need to repent of this, I think, but it's, it goes back to that respect thing. One of the rules that Nazarenes love, don't run in the church. Any of you ever heard that? Especially don't throw footballs down from the balcony. Don't do that, Annie. You don't do that. You know, we make up these rules. You know, you, you, you got you to gotta put on your best. You got you to gotta make sure you do everything right. You got you, you to gotta do this and don't do that. You don't, you don't, say, you don't say dirty words. You don't, you don't go with people. You don't, you don't look at things that you shouldn't look at. You don't, you, don't, uh, you don't have the appearance of evil in your life. You can't have a, bad, a, a sinner as a friend because then what are people going to think about you? You're the pastor's kid. How can you be running around with, the, with them? It's true. Good is good. But Jesus said, I came to give you the great commandment. <laughs> Jesus came to change our perspective. Good is good, but great is so much better. Great is so much better. The greatest commandment should help us to shift our perspective from just keeping the rules to live a good life, but rather it should change our perspective to something that eternally matters. Guess what? If you don't love worshiping God now, you're going to hate heaven. You're going to hate it. So I would suggest to you that maybe we change our focus, change our perspective to not worry about all the other rules that we can make up and that we can dream up that are good rules, but instead let's focus on the greatest one of all. God, I want to love you with everything in my being. I don't want to care about any of this other junk. I want to be so focused on you that it becomes easy to do the rest. Wow. God, help us. Oh. God's perspective. The greatest commandment. He'll take care of the rest if we follow the greatest commandment. Amen? So we need a first perspective shift. It's not the good commandment, it's the greatest commandment. The second thing we need to see today is that Jesus taught the Great Commission, not the Good Commission. Matthew 28. I just want to read this again. This, I just, it blesses me every time I read it. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. You see, they just spent three and a half years with the man. Morning, noon, and night. And Jesus is getting taken away. He gets, goes on trial. He's hung on a cross. He's, he's dead. He's buried in a tomb. And yet these 11 still remember. He told us to go to Galilee. We better go. They were obedient. Why? Because they were doing the greatest commandment. That's why. Oh. So there's where the power starts. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. Why? Because they're living the greatest commandment. They worshipped Him, but some of them still doubted Guess what? There's some of you here today that are just like me. And I say that very carefully. That you came in here today wanting to love the Lord your God with everything you have, but you still have doubt in your, in your head. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm president of the fan club today. I know it. I'm living it. Some of them still doubted. Does that mean, Pastor, that I'm not a Christian if I doubt? I sure hope not. 
But help me, God, to live the greatest commandment. To love you with everything I have so that you can help transform my mind. I'm, I'm getting blessed here. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority. Where is his authority? In heaven and on earth. In other words, I've been given the power. I've been given the reign on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. And I'm telling you, you 11, you disciples, now is the time. Go and make more. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Let's, let's refresh. What are all the commands that Jesus has given? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what? Once you do that, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gave two. Two commandments. He wrapped them into one nice, nice combo pack and called it the greatest commandment. Jesus gave one, the greatest commandment. Teach everybody to do this. And be sure of this, I am with you always. That just, oh, it gives me chills. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're supposed to be passionate for. It's what God has given us to do. He's sending us out to go and make disciples. That term, sent out, is really what that word commission means. Commission means somebody who is sent. They are sent a salesperson who gets paid commission is sent to a clientele to sell them on a product or services, but they're sent out to find the sale. I lived it. I know what I'm talking about. I, 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 told, I told Don this week as he came into my office, I said, Don, I'm thankful that we can keep an appointment. Don's a salesman and he's good at it. But Don, I've sat on that other chair that he has, and I said, Don, one of the biggest frustrations I had was people who couldn't keep their appointments. Because how can you be paid on commissions when people aren't coming to see your product? Well, Pastor, how are we going to get people baptized and teach them all the things and to love God and to grow and to serve if they don't come to our church? Because Jesus didn't say, get them to come to your church and then teach them everything. That's not what He said. He said, go! I'm commissioning you. I'm sending you to the clientele. The clientele's out there, folks. The Great Commission. There is a harvest field that is ripe. <laughs> when I was in sales, this is, this is free too. <laughs> when I was in sales, my, my trainer, I was not a good salesman. I was horrible. My trainer, he sat there at the desk with me. and He said, BJ, I want you to know one thing. If you hear nothing else, hear one thing. Because I want you to assume that the people you are talking to need what you have to offer. Like, oh, that's good. He goes, it changes the way you think. You don't ask, you tell them they need it. You assume the sale. You assume they need it. They're there to talk to you, so they're, they want to hear what you have to say. Well, I've, I've remembered that as a Christian and as a pastor and as, as a person who's supposed to go and make disciples. When I, when I, when I went to Walmart this morning, it always burdens me to go in there on a Sunday because I know they're working and can't come to church. And I'm sitting there buying something on a Sunday morning as a pastor. <laughs> so I made sure I, I stood there and I told the cashier, I said, I know you're here and I just want you to know I really appreciate that you're here today. 
you're, you're working so that other people can get the needs and the things that they want taken care of. But I said, I want you to know, and I said this to her. I said, I'm going to pray for you today. I said, I'm thankful you were here because I messed up and I needed you today. I didn't say, I didn't say this next part to her, but I, I hope that one day, by just being nice and just showing God's love and, 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 and telling her that I'd pray for her, that maybe one day she'll remember that, hey, this pastor came in on a Sunday came through my line and told me he was praying for me and there might be something going on in her life that maybe she just comes back and we can pray for her again and we can love on her and we can show her Jesus even more. You see, we're all commissioned. And it's not just the good commission. We're not just going to squeak by and make a living. He wants to give us an abundance. He wants to bless us beyond measure. Jesus didn't come back. He's, he's raised to new life. He's told his disciples to go to Galilee because he was going to meet them there. He doesn't come back just to give them one final sales pitch that says, you know what, here's the thing you got to do. you got to do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll get what you need. He didn't come back to just give them one final good sales pitch to say, you know what, Peter, James, and John, if you do this, it's going to be good enough. You see, Jesus didn't, wasn't raised to life for good enough. Jesus was raised to life for something great. And he says to Peter, James, and John, I have been given all authority. Everything answers to me. And guess what I'm doing? I'm giving it to you, Peter, James, and John. <laughs> I'm giving it to you, Benny. I'm giving it to you, Jack. I'm giving it to you, John. I'm giving it to you, Annie. All authority that Jesus has been given. He says, I'm giving it to you, Greg. Go, and make disciples, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. What is that? To love the Lord your God with everything that you have. The greatest commandment leads us to the great commission. God sending his disciples out to do a great thing. Good is good, but I believe great is better. Let me uh, bring, this, bring this home a little bit closer. We have a good church. I know, I'll be careful, board members. We have a good history. God has blessed this church for upwards of 80 years in this community. There's a lot of people that have come through this church that have gotten saved and sanctified and baptized. There's a lot of people that are growing today because of what Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene has done for them in their life. We even, have, we even have good giving and attendance records. That's why we still keep track of them on a wall. Thank you for your faithfulness. But I believe that God is doing a new thing. It's already begun. Where He's saying good is good, is good but great is better. Well, pastor, what does that mean? Is it, a, is it a number? Is it a program? Is it a ministry? No, I don't think so. It's a lifestyle. God will take care of the seats. God will take care of the finances. God will take care of all the needs that we may have. God will even take care of the nursery workers. Amen? If we say, first and foremost, God, I need you to change my perspective. I'm tired of living good enough. I want great. What do I need to do? Well, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. 
Well, pastor, I try to do that and I just, I just mess up. I, I get angry. I, I, my temper flares and I, and I do things that, that I shouldn't do. President of the club. And you called me to be your pastor. I'm with you. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We all have flaws. But God says, you know what? I sent Jesus to teach you something. To change your shift. To change your perspective on one thing. Just love me with everything that you got. Good is good, but great is so much better. (laughs) I don't want you to go sell a good thing. I don't want you to just do one. I don't want one person to go and win one person to the Lord. I want 200 people to go out and win 200 more to the Lord. Why? Because good is good, but great is better. And eternity is better. Eternity is so much better than this, folks. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be alone there. God, help us to get a new perspective. God is calling us to do something great. Amen? Good is good, but great is better. You may be asking this, and I'll close with this thought. How do we go from good to great? Well, it's a new year, and I believe that God is giving us a new perspective. Good is good, but great is better. How do we go from good to great. We get from good to great by getting behind the Father. By getting behind the Father. I'll be the first to admit it. There are times that I get too far ahead of myself. I'm a a doer. I see a need. I want to meet the need. I want to get it done. I want to accomplish it. I want to check the box. And I want to move on to the next thing. And there's times when I get so so focused on getting the job done that I get outside of God's timing and I get ahead of it. And God says, you, what you did was good, but if you would have waited for me, it could have been so much better. And I get humbled in those moments. Let me illustrate it this way. If you have kids and you've ever taken a trip with your kids, One of the things that happens, at least it does in our home, so I know it's true, at least for one family in here. Um, When we're in the car for a long extended period of time, and we tell them as we're driving up to the house, hey, get your trash out, everybody grab something, you know, don't go inside with your hands empty, that kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about? But your kids will just run to the door. They'll run to the door. They may grab something, which is great, they've obeyed you, they've listened, but they get to the door and they can't get in because the door's locked. Guess who has the keys? The Father. You see, everything that's inside that they want, all their, all their games, all their toys, their, the comfort of their own bed, a place to lay all the stuff down because it's getting heavy in their arms, all of those blessings, all of those comforts only come when they let the Father let them in. And so there was a time just recently, actually, where all I've told this story to my kids before, so they know it. And they ran up to the door and they get up there and they see that it's locked. But guess what? All three of them had to check the lock. You know what I'm talking about? So Emma was the first one. She opens the door and she goes, Dad, it's locked. I said, yeah, I know. We've been gone a week. Yep, it's going to be locked. (laughs) Elliot runs up, checks the doorknob and stands to the side. Ian runs up and checks checks the lock and he stands there. And they walk up and now I don't have to say anything. I walk up and I show them the keys and they move to the side. 
And they let the Father go in first. So Father holds the keys. See, how many times do we want the blessings and the comforts that God is providing, that He's, that he's telling us and He's promising that He has for us, but yet we get there and we're blocking the doorway. I want in, God, I want in, God, I want in, God. And He taps us on the shoulder. You've got to get behind me. You've got to get behind me. How do we go from good to great? We get behind the Father because the Father has the keys. I want you to know as your pastor, I don't ever want to get ahead of Him. I believe that God has great things for us in store as we move on to a new era at PCN. I do believe that. But above all else, I believe that that new perspective has to be, has to be grasped. It's not about a ministry. It's not about, it's not about a program. It's not about services. It's not about number of people in here. It's about are you and I following Him with everything that we have? And if we are, then all the rest of that will take care of itself. Because when we do that, God sends us out to do the Great Commission. We must get behind the Father. You see, good is good, but God calls us to be great. God calls us to be great. This morning, we're going to close our service as we gather around the Lord's table. I'm going to invite our board members to come and those that are going to help us today. I've asked our church board to, to serve communion this morning because our church board is the leaders that you all have elected as the leaders of this church. And I want you to know that our church board is a fabulous board of people who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. People that want nothing more than to see God do something in our church that changes the trajectory. Amen? And it's one thing when you're a leader to stand up and be a leader and be seen and be heard, but it's another thing when you're a leader to serve others.